Any dog lovers in the room? Whoa. Cat lovers? Okay. <laughs> well, there's both and then a mixture. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing thing that God gave us animals to enjoy and to help and to care for. It's just such a cool thing. So uh, that's not my dog. However, there's somebody in this room that has a dog that looks like that. Um, so uh, I got a happy, sad story. So we had this dog uh, when I was growing up. And, uh, you know, as kids go, what are you going to call the dog? Well, it was a puppy, so we called it puppy. I mean, either that or dog. Hey, dog. Anybody name their dog dog? Any? <laughs> no. <laughs> so we named it puppy. And, but it was... Uh, it always wanted to be with us, and so um, we had some horses when I was growing up, and they were always just in and out of the, you know, and causing the horse, and it's like, man, this dog is irritating. So my, uh, one of my older brothers, um, he took the dog, uh, and he decided to, let, let me just get rid of this dog. It's just causing trouble. I know, that's sad, right? Just, but my brother's going, I'll take care of it. And you, you know, we're complaining about this dog. So anyways, uh, we live out at Sandy Point, and he drove down to Gooseberry Point out in that area, and Puffy, come on and get out. And of course, the dog wants to go wherever you go. So the dog jumped out, and he says, see ya. Isn't that, isn't that just a horrible story? <laughs> horrible story. So um, he came back, and he said, problem solved. Three days later, <laughs> this dog had a built-in compass. I don't get it, but three days later, over the hill, we heard this, this barking of this familiar dog. And so he comes through, and he was all scratched up, and he came through, and he just came, and he was so happy to be home. And so it was like, this dog loves us. <laughs> so we treated the dog with just tender care after that. But it was just a happy, sad, but that dog just loved us and was doing all he knew how to do to love us, to be with us, Right. And so doing all we can, he could. So it makes me think about God the Father, that he's made people in his image, whether they believe in him or not. He's created them, and he loves them. He loves you. He's created all things. And he's given us a built-in compass to come home, hasn't he? Come on home. A built-in compass to come home. And so like the dog, uh, when we've come to faith in Christ, uh, we know where our home is not here. And so we're on our way home. And I grew up in a big family, and many of you, uh, family reunions are just, it's so cool to get caught up and find out whose kid belongs to who, and then you can't remember anyways, but it's just, and we, we live for those times where everybody's just having a great time, just loving each other you know maybe there's a softball game and that's what we we had like many of you sports going on and that was just it was just fun and watching my mom get up to bat too and it's like she could hit the ball it was amazing and she could run and you better not be in the way because she'd knock you over she knew a little bit about baseball but um, those those times to me are a kind of a glimpse of the heavenly reunion where there's never going to be a fight. There's never going to be somebody saying something that will irritate you. Like at a lot of family reunions, somebody says something, you blow, I'm never going to, you know, all that stuff that happens that we don't want to happen because we have in our minds that we're all just one happy family. And so coming home. And so I have that in my heart and maybe you do too about this ultimate reunion where it's just, so good. They see you coming. They, hey, come on in. It's just a great time coming home. So if you've believed on the Lord Jesus, um, you're on your way home. You're on your way home. And so as the children of Israel, they uh, remembered the, there we go, remembered every year they would remember the great deliverance and they'd be on their way to Jerusalem. They'd be so excited. So half the excitement was on the way. Half the excitement was the journey to Jerusalem and they'd be singing songs about God and just, and getting there and celebrating for the week long. So you and I are on that journey. So we have reason to celebrate. We're on our way home. 
you know, and we're traveling with others on their way home. We're on our way home, guys. This is great. You know, and the stuff we're going to encounter, they're just hiccups along the way, but we're on our way home. So this compass, this compass is what he gives us. So I'd like to start out just um, reminding you about the ABCs of our faith. The ABCs, right? So if you're taking notes, the A is admit that you're a sinner. So you can't come to the Lord unless you have a problem. So any of you have a problem? Any? Just want to be honest. Any of you have problems? Yeah, just a few of you. That's great. It's wonderful to be around perfect people. Don't have problems. It's great. Um, but in order to get in the kingdom, you have to admit you got a problem. You got to admit you got a problem. So the problem, the biggest problem of all is selfishness or sin. Yeah, you know, I've turned away from God and I want to live my life my own way. So admit that you haven't, uh, you haven't been following God. Admit that. So ABCs admit. And in that, remi- in that admittance is, um, is repenting. It's not just saying, oh, sorry, thousand apologies for that. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry about that. And go, you know, that, I did that a few times. It didn't work too well. Honey, thousand apologizes for doing that. No. Um, so uh, repentance is showing that you really are sorry for what you've done. And so how do you show it? Well, you don't engage in that anymore. As far as it is with you, your strength to say, no, you know, I'm not doing that. I want to show you that I'm repentant. I want to show you, Lord, that I understand your love for creation, your love for me, you're calling me and you want me to admit my sin and, and then to repent and to turn away from that. So the ABCs uh, repent and then believe in this amazing plan that God had given you a first, first birth, a physical birth, and then a spiritual birth, a born again. You must be born of the Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't come just by physical birth. That you have to believe in Jesus, this amazing love plan of the Father. So open up to Titus chapter uh, 3. So easiest way to get there is to go um, back to Revelation and thumb your way back in. And uh, it's right after Timothy, and before you get to uh, yeah, before you get to Hebrews, there. So right in there, Timothy, and listen to the way Paul is. He's written this uh, letter to one of the disciples, uh, Titus. Sorry, did I say Timothy? Titus, Titus, chapter three, right after Timothy, Titus, chapter three, verse four through seven, and listen to this. But when the kindness uh, and the love of God our Savior toward humankind, toward man, appeared, um, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. So you can never do all the right stuff. You can never be good enough. So he says, not according to righteousness, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Having been justified by his grace, we would become heirs according to hope of eternal life. And we're on our way home. It's by his mercy and the pouring out of his spirit through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We're on our way home. Yes, we, we are on a journey home. And we're helping each other to stay on that high road of holiness, of falling after him. That's why we come to church together. We're encouraging one another, going, this is right. We need to get together and worship and pray and and look at God's word. And so... All right, the ABCs, admit our sin and repent and then believe in Jesus and then finally confess him as Lord. See, part of that repentance now is confessing Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. As the world around us is saying, oh, don't say that name. You can say God, creator, you can say all that stuff. But when you say Jesus, oh, that's going to offend people. There's the dividing line. But he said, if you confess Jesus as Lord, that's your boss now, that you don't make a decision without talking to him first. Okay, it's like, all right, how'd I do? Or should I do this? 
He has the future in his hands, so you go to the one who can tell you about the future and he can guide you, right? So uh, if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, so not enough that your sins are forgiven, but that you're promised eternal life, you believe in the resurrection of the dead to life eternal. So um, if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. That's, that's living his way, righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. ABCs. So we had to take care of that. We always have to take care of that. That you would know this is your entrance into eternal life. This is your uh, way of being forgiven. It's through what God has done, his amazing demonstration of his love for you and for me by going to the cross and, and suffering in agony for hours and hours that your sins would be forgiven and then coming back to life. And then he's extended that love to you. And so, you know, we do, we do a communion service here uh, once a month um, on the first Sunday of the month. And it's just that time of going, oh, that kind of love that kind of demonstration of God's love, how can I not love him back? How, how can I not love him back? He, he did that so I could have this new life here and now by the power of the Holy Spirit and for eternity. How can I not love him back? And so that's why we do that. And of course, every time we say, and we sang the song today, the story. I love repeating the story because it's salvation for those that haven't believed yet. I need to keep repeating that story. And for those who have believed, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's excitement. When we were first saved, we went to an evangelical free church. And uh, Natalie and I, I don't, we were just saved and we were sitting kind of over here. And, and every time the guy had the gift of evangelism, so he was always urging and encouraging. And so he would give that that invitation and Natalie and I would just sit there and shake on wow somebody's getting saved and you'd see people go forward and you'd be going there's there's nothing more powerful there's no miracle greater than a changed life a transformed life where people get it and they know they're coming to the Lord the God that saved their soul and forgiven their sin and so that kind of thing then motivates us to want to follow after the Lord and go uh, show me what to do I want to I want to show you I want to show you I love you. I, I, I love you back. <laughs> I want to show you I love you. There, I said it, Dave. I, I want to show you. I, I had a hard time uh, when Natalie and I were dating, and she'd say, Steve, I just want to tell you I love you. And I'd go. I, I would try to say I love her back, and it just, because I, I didn't know. I didn't know if I, I, I really did. You know, I, I, I really did. I wanted to know that I really did. Before I said it, and she was so patient, she could even write it out, you know, spell it out to me. This is, <laughs> finally I got to say it, and you know, it was true, and I said it on our wedding day, and <laughs> I kept saying that over and over again, you know, but the demonstration of that love is what I needed, and I wasn't sure that this guy really knew how to love. You know, I knew the physical. I was attracted to her that way, but I didn't know if I really knew love. And then I found out as we were married, love means putting together a crib. And as frustrating as that is, and I didn't want to watch the, read the directions, and she was sitting there going, honey. So that kind of love, and, and maybe you too, I, to love God back, I, when I first was saved, it was like, I don't want to tell anybody because I, I don't know if I really... Do I mean I, I believe it, but how do I live it? I, I before I say it, Lord, help me to know it. I want to know that I really do. So I don't know where you are in that, but it took me a while because I had to prove to myself that I really did love God by obeying what He told me. You know, I needed a little bit of time <laughs> to, to prove it to myself. So so we have to we have to be reminded of these things that we're on our way home. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So that separates a lot of people in this world. And, and you're a target um, 
to a lot of the world when you say Jesus is the only way. But to, to love God means you stand up and say, he's the only way. I believe that. Take me out, whatever, but he's the only way. I have eternal life, so go ahead. I'm on my way home. I'm on my way home. Okay. So this, um, we need to know this for true, what God's doing. Um, Every day, every day you and I Love God back by renewing our thinking. Every day we love God back by renewing our thinking. And we do that by renewing our mind in the scriptures. So every day we read scriptures and we pray, Lord, help me to follow you. You promised your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit. I can't do this. I can't. I can't. I tried. I can't. I can't. Even when I think I can, I can't. So, so that loving God back, if you've believed on the Lord Jesus, you're in that process of, I want to love God back. And so what we do every day is we renew our mind in the scriptures so that we know him better. And, and when things come up, we go to the scriptures to see how he tells us to navigate this life that we live. And we know that the scriptures is not just a book, it's a holy book. And not just a holy book, but it's living the words start moving around and come into your heart and they direct you and me. It's a living word. Amen. And so that's why that's the more, most important thing to read any day because it's doing more than just you reading. And maybe like you, I read a paragraph and go, I, what did I just read? I was thinking about repairing the car. And I, so taking some time to get, train yourself to take in the word of God, you know, just start soaking it in. So, reading every single day, you and I know that it's our life to renew our mind in the scriptures. And thank you for those of you that send scriptures out online. That's a beautiful thing. And Terry, she's busy here handing out scriptures to us. Scripture is powerful and living, and and it transforms lives because of the truth. And then praying. Praying. We, We know that God has called us to be a house of prayer here at Evergreen, his church all over the world. That this is what we do. This is where the power comes from. So we, we pray for that power to live this life that we're living in. The power to overcome the world. So this, this kind of life is what you and I engage in every single day. This, this power to live this new life. So uh, the sword of the spirit is another name for the word of God. Okay. So what I'm about to share with you is the next chapter in our devotional book. And so what I'm about to share with you is not for the weak. It's not for the people still on training wheels in their faith. What I'm about to share with you is not for the faint-hearted. This is, this is grown-up stuff. This is, this is not toddler stuff. This is, uh, you're in high school. This is teenager, this is, this is, this, is, this is the meat and the potatoes here in your faith and mine. Okay? So, it's a secret that I'm going to share with you. It's a secret. Now, there's a secret going on right there. But the secret that I'm going to share with you is a serious Secret, because there's power that happens in this. And it's not a religious thing that I'm going to share with you. But this is a powerful part of prayer life. It's like you're graduating from the prayer of, Lord, please bless the whole world. Amen. It's you've graduated. And now it's not just, Lord, help Aunt Martha. Now... It's more than that. And now it's not just, okay, I've learned how to praise the Lord. I'm praise God from whom all blessings fall. And you've learned how to praise God. It's, this is uh, this compass in coming home. This is uh, 
calibrating ourselves to this compass of getting home. And it's called fasting. I know it. What? No. So listen to this. Fasting is doing without to gain something better. Okay? Now, maybe you don't realize it, but you have been fasting um, for physical reasons. Some of you know that in order to get a blood draw and to do it right, you need to fast all night and not eat until, right? So that they get the right count for your blood thing. So you've learned how to master the body and say, no, you're not going to eat today. Now quit that, right? Sit down and be quiet. We're going to go to the doctor and you're not going to eat. Now you're talking to yourself, right? So you're fasting against the flesh saying, no, I know I feed you every morning, but no, not this morning. Just hear me out. This is good for you. You know, you talk to yourself and say that. Okay. So you know that. And when you go to work, That could be a form of fasting. And I'm just talking about physical because you're trading the couch (laughs) to pay for your bills and to, yeah, and to help the Lord's kingdom. And so in a way you fast from the couch life to I'm going to go do something to gain something better for myself and others. So going to work could be fasting and Doing school, that could be kind of a form of fasting. So you guys are kind of doing fast because you're saying, okay, mom says it's good for me. I don't believe it, but I better do this math and stuff, you know, because it's supposed to be good. So in a way, you're putting aside the four-wheeler and, you know, and, and, and running around chasing the four-wheeler and, and you're saying, no, okay. So in a way, you've been kind of fasting. What, what else did, did I write down here? Um, uh, going to church. Some of you are going, ah, I'm fasting from the ball game so I can go to church. So there is a form of fasting, right? Uh, to come to the prayer meeting. No, I'm, I'm fasting from my program that I always watch on Tuesday night. No, I'm going to go to the prayer meeting. So we know what it is to do without to gain something better. Okay? So I have to tell you that I've learned the hard way because like you, I don't like pain. And uh, so... There's some things that I've fasted from eating because if I eat it, it causes me pain. And some of you understand that. And I found out several years ago um, that, um, and I have a diabetic son, but I found out several years ago that I had a problem with sugar. And I didn't know it most of my life, but I'd come down with these migraines at least twice, maybe three times a, a week. And it would just, oh, it would just hurt so bad. But I found a way around it, and that I, it was called Excedrin. And I'd go, oh, there, I'll take two of those. Wait, no, four. Yeah, that'll do it. And so I found my way. And what I realized later was that um, sugar gave me the headache. I didn't know it. Because I'd come home from school, and I'd have Nestle's Quick. Do you remember that stuff? And, and I'd pour in a half a glass of that stuff and fill it up with milk. And then, and then I'd have two open-faced peanut butter and jam sandwich. Oh, man. It was just like, and after I got done eating that and drinking that, I just went, oh, this feels so good. And I, I think I was addicted to sugar. But then I'd get these headaches, and it just immobilized me, and my family knew it. I, but I didn't know that for years. And so when I got into high school, I continued this eating cycle, but I found Excedrin. That just saved my life. I just popped those, and everything was good. I popped those before I went and played football, and, you know, everything was good. So, but then I learned that, wait, uh, let's see. If I don't, if I don't do that, I won't get the headaches. So I learned, I don't like pain. So maybe I can bypass the Excedrin and the other. So I'm getting too long-winded. I'm just saying, in my life, I figured out that if I tell this body, no, 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 you don't like getting headaches, so quit doing that. So I learned that, and so I don't like it. The other thing I've learned through pain was... um, and I'm just saying for me, because your bodies can work different. I know some of you, it's okay. Um, caffeine. I had a reaction to caffeine. I drank coffee like my dad in the morning, and, and you know, it was just great. It was a man's thing. You know, I drink coffee, and then 
whenever this espresso thing came along with all these, you know, it was black coffee. That was a man's drink, right? But now everybody's going and paying five or six bucks for this, you know, this really sweet stuff. And it's just so good. It makes you feel good. But I had a reaction to that. And so through the pain, I realized, wait, can't have that. So a long ways to say is that I've learned that if I fast from these things in my life, I feel better. <laughs> it works better. Things work better. And so we all understand giving up something for something else. Now, that gives us set for fasting and praying. Fasting for another reason, not just to feel better physically, but to fast in order to get closer to the Lord. Something about purging yourself, purging yourself um, helps get a focus. One other thing I have to share is I found out I started to get arthritis and I'd wake up in the morning and my hand would be a claw and I'd go, oh, what is that? And so like, a lot of you, I decided I'm not going to the doctor, but let me go online and see what they say. And one site says, maybe it's uh, gluten. So I said, okay, I'll just try it. I'll stop the gluten thing. And when I stopped, my hand started working. I said, hey. So the other day we went out with the family and um, I made sure I ordered gluten-free bun, you know, and so I was sitting next to Brady and he ordered the same thing, but it wasn't gluten-free. And so I didn't know it would work this fast. But anyways, um, I started eating, and it was great and wonderful. And he started eating, he stopped. And he said, this bun doesn't taste very good. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> and then he looked on his plate, and he had this little pink um, sticker. And I said, oh, oh my, I'm in trouble. Maybe I'll just skate by. Maybe I can have a little bit, and I'll skate by Oh, man, before the day was over, my my thumb was just, oh. And I said, maybe it's something else. I can't open up my thumb. Oh, man. That same night, I was going, what? Give me a break. I just, just, I just, uh, I ate that. Oh, man. So then I decided I'm going to get on this thing. And I drank water all the next day. And I just did that purging, 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 purging thing. And the next day, my thumb started working again. So, so God has taught me in the physical that I don't like pain, so here's some things that I can do to avoid that. So now we work into what is the, what is the teaching of fasting and praying in the Bible? And why do we do that? It's to somehow what it does, and, and again, this is for the mature believer. Somehow this brings things into tighter focus in what we're praying about and for someone. It brings in the tighter focus, okay? So, um, go ahead and go to the, uh, the next one. Uh, there, I forgot to bring that up. So, the Olympics, they got to train. Everything they do is meant to win the race. So, that's my picture on, on that, but... Open up your Bibles to chapter uh, to Matthew chapter six, and Jesus. Let's hear what our master teacher says about fasting. Matthew chapter six. Now, interesting. Uh, in chapter six, Jesus is teaching on prayer, and in that's included in this prayer. It sounds like it's obvious that fasting is part of what's going on here because in chapter 16, after the Lord's Prayer that we know so well, in chapter 16 of Matthew, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, there. Now you know I have a problem with dyslexia. I always switch my numbers around in school, and that's before calculators, and we had to do long division. It was horrible. Anyways, verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, stop right there. 
Oh, oh, you, you mean we're supposed to be fasting? <laughs> when you fast. Oh, oh, that's supposed to be part of my prayer at times too. Jesus would even say, oh, this one only happens with prayer and fasting. Oh, oh, oh. Well, see, I live in America here and oh. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men as fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So I just stop. You don't show off. You don't say, hey, look, I'm spiritual and I'm praying and I'm fasting. Be like me. Oh. You know, I, I do want to say this. I think sometimes when I stand up here and I preach, you might think I have it all together. And let me just say, <laughs> I don't. And I could tell you dirt about me in the past before Christ. And I could tell you dirt about me now. But I don't want to. But just so you know, if you think I'm Jesus, I'm not. I don't have it together. And I'm trying. And so when I preach, I hold the banner of Christ and his perfection. And I'm on my way. So like you, I'm on my way with dirt on and I'm trying to get cleaned up as I go. Just so you know, I may, I may preach like I have it all together. I don't. Okay. So he says... Verse 17, but you, when you fast, there it is again, when you fast, oh, okay, thank you, Jesus, I, 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 I miss that part, I, 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 I pray, and I, I do my devotions, and, but I, I fast, okay, anoint your head and wash your face, verse 18, so that you do not appear to be fasting, but to your father who is in secret, in the secret place, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What? There's a reward. And if it's, if the reward is just getting closer to your savior and your God and King, that's enough. But maybe at this stage in your life, you're mature enough to say, okay, I can do this. I, I want to, is this, if this is another way, it's a spiritual, it's not a religious way. Jesus is teaching when you fast, when you pray. Okay. Okay, so Jesus taught on fasting. Uh, Jesus also demonstrated fasting. So you're in Matthew, turn back to chapter four. Chapter four, Jesus was baptized in chapter 3. In verse 17 of chapter 3 of Matthew, it said, And suddenly a voice from heaven came saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You see, when he was baptized, it talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon him to empower him to do the work. Jesus was God, but this empowering to do the work was something that he wanted to demonstrate that you and I need to do. Jesus had all the power, but, it, but God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit was demonstrating something that you and I, when we're baptized in the water, we're saying, um, I repent of the old life, and as the water washes over me, and as I come up out of the water, may I be filled with your Spirit. So outside cleansing, inside filling of the Holy Spirit. So... Jesus demonstrating that he comes out of that and listen to what happens to him. It's like he enters into boot camp before he goes into public ministry. Verse one. And when Jesus, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He had to beat the devil before he went on to ministry. You and I have to beat the devil in our time in the morning when we wake up in the morning before we take on the day. We've got to get everything right here. We've got to be filled with the Spirit to do the work that he's telling us to do. We've got to be. So it says, verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. And when the tempter, now when the tempter came to him, he said... 
if you are the son of God. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's always the tempter's attack. If you are a Christian, if you are, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. See, he said, here, take the shortcut. Here, take the easy way, Jesus said. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil then took him up to a holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. See, Satan knew a bit about scripture. And then Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. See, Jesus was referring to the time in the wilderness when the people tempted God by saying, you brought us out here just to kill us. After they saw all those signs and wonders to release them from Egypt. So don't tempt the Lord your God. Of course he's going to take care of you. That's, that's the idea, but right here, another prove yourself. Will he take care of you? Every single day, I think we get that. Is God going to take care of me now? Is God going to take care of me when I go to work? Is God going to take care of my family? Is God going to, what's going to happen? Woe is me. And he's saying, don't tempt the Lord your God. He loves you. He loves you. He's going to care for you. He always has. Follow his lead. Be strong and courageous. He will strengthen you. Again, verse 8, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these things I give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and the angels came and ministered to him. I believe that you and I are tempted these three ways every single day. These three ways to, to forfeit, to worship stuff in this world, idols instead of God. And, and he says to serve him only, to serve him only. All right, so Jesus taught on it in uh, Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at the disciples, how they did fasting too. So Acts chapter 13. So this is when uh, they were sending out, they were sending out some of their own to go and spread the good news. And it talks about in uh, chapter thir- uh, 13 about the church in Antioch and who was there. And then in verse 2, this is what they did. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Listen to that. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, So there's something about it. There's something about it that brings us into a clearer relationship with the Lord that they were doing, that they understood that this was a critical time, that they understood that the saving of souls were at stake. And so it says they ministered and fasted and the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Verse 3, Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. So they believed in Jesus' teaching that when you fast, so it was part of their life. It wasn't every day, but there were, there were moments where this was called, this was a this was serious. Let's let's get serious about this. Okay, how much more serious can I get? They say I confess my sins. I've okay. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm reading the Bible. I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Ahoy! I'm doing it. But fasting. Wait, is that the American way, or is that just the church in the East? I heard a story about a man from India, and when he was talking to another man. The man from America said, you know, I think maybe I should pray about this. And he said, or or I think I should fast about this and pray. And he said, 
you don't? You don't do that all the time? It's like, they understood. They, there's, they were in desperate situations over there, and so they understood if this is one more thing that we can do to show God we love him and to draw this, this vessel under control, self-control, then they, they were doing it. So then when the disciples understood that, they understood their ministry, they understood how important it was, and so they fasted, they were ministering, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them. The Holy Spirit spoke to them and picked out these men and said, okay, I want to send them. And so they responded by prayer and fasting and laid their hands on them, prayed over them. Wow. So um, in the Old Testament, Ezra proclaimed a fast for all the people. They were in trouble and they needed God's protection. So they said, hey, everybody, let's fast and pray for God's protection. And he answered. He, they were bringing the unity together, the focus together. And then um, turn to Nehemiah. Now, it's a hard one to find, um, but it's um, right in front of, um, right in front of uh, Esther. So in the Old Testament, so you probably thumb your way from the front, but uh, Samuel and Kings and Chronicles and, and, uh, and then... Um, Right in there is uh, Ezra. If you get to Ezra that we just were at, and then Nehemiah. It's, it's just a few chapters. Um, and then there's Esther. So I think we're, yeah, I think we got uh, 13 chapters in Nehemiah. So not much there, Old Testament. So Nehemiah, this is a time where uh, the sons of, of the Lord, um, Israel, um, forget about God, and they were living life their own way, and, they, um, and God said, in a way, my way of saying, okay, see how, if that's working for you. If you want to do it your way, go on. Well, Babylon came and conquered Jerusalem and tore down the walls, and uh, it was because they turned away from God. And so Nehemiah, he was one of the leaders at that time. They hauled him away to Babylon, and he was a cupbearer to that unbelieving king. So he, for somehow he became a cupbearer. <laughs> he tested the wine to make sure that it wasn't poison. <laughs> That's what a cupbearer is for. So, yeah, let's use Nehemiah <laughs> for that job. So he's a cupbearer, but apparently they, were, they weren't trying to kill him, uh, the king at that time. But listen to what Nehemiah does in verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hilkiah, it came to pass in the month of Keslev in the 12th year as I was in Shusan, the citadel. Um, Hananiah, one of the brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors are left there from captivity in the province, are there in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nobody else knew it except for God. I was fasting and praying. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love, who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I've prayed before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. So this is in his fasting and praying. We have acted, verse 7, we have acted corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and the statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, 
the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. And that happened. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. There's something about... That's ringing a bell where we are with our country. Something about what's going to turn things around. If we're going to turn things around, there's something about you and me that we're in the mix. There's something about God's people here that's ringing true. It's not about how we can elect, even though we should elect the right people. It's about praying before God. And for those of you that are strong in your faith, it's about fasting and prayer it's about getting closer to God saying to this body of yours no behave now I'm telling you what to do instead of you tell me what to do this is what we're going to do so the question really comes down to should you fast and pray now the answer is between you and God because as Jesus taught you're not supposed to let other people know that you're doing this because you might have bragging rights and say look how wonderful I am and like I was in a way I wasn't bragging about how the Lord has got me on a short leash (laughs) I don't like pain that's that wasn't spiritual fasting that's because I didn't like pain but we're talking about spiritual fasting. What does that do? Should we? I want to read a bit about what, um, what Alvin, our friend Alvin, said here. So he says here about fasting, he says, um, fast, fasting can loosen the ties that bind us to this material world and strengthen the ties that bind us to God. This This is a mature Christian thing. This is this is big. Listen to this. The goal of fasting has to do primarily with God. When we fast, we are willing to endure natural hunger in order to intensify spiritual hunger. What? You mean when I feel hungry now, if I'm fasting, when I feel hungry, I can go, I want God to fill my, I want that spiritual hunger. Wow. It is a way of saying, God, you are more important than food. Wow. Jesus reminded the hearers that true fasting would be obvious to your Father who is unseen. Fasting is not worth much if it doesn't get us closer to the heart of God and lift us up spiritually. This is about God. It's about drawing closer to God. Fasting is really a a type of prayer. We have defined prayer as a love relationship with God. Fasting improves the love relationship by riveting our attention on God so that we begin to seek him with all of our heart. In an enhanced form of prayer, 
of the words of Ron uh, Dune, fasting is the perfect environment for prayer and seeking the Lord. With fasting, we detach ourselves from the earth, and with prayer, we attach ourselves to heaven. Our prayer lives will never be what God intended them to be without fasting. Whoops. So, just between you and God, should you fast and pray? And I think the answer is go to the next one. I I, I think the answer is how desperate are you? Gets us to following God. How desperate are you? How desperate am I? How desperate do we see the world around us? Those without God, our neighbors. Do you need God? Do you need to be closer to God? Maybe you're fine. Maybe everything's great with you. That's wonderful. Maybe you've been just walking with God and just cruising and, and you're experiencing his healing power and you, you're just there. Or maybe you're saying, maybe I need to be desperate for some loved ones. Maybe I need to be desperate for myself. Because apparently, God's people had to be desperate in order to pray as a group. Um, part of this bringing us closer to the Lord is we're becoming more and more a house of prayer. And it's helping others. You, the tighter you and I get with God, the better we're going to be at helping others to find God and to follow him. We're going to forget about ourselves and we're going to say, no, no, let's do this together. Let's help each other. Uh, go to the next one. He's the one that has us. He has your home. He has everything. Trusting him. House of prayer. Here and us. House of prayer. Go to the next one. He has, uh, he has a great place for us. He has a great place for us to, that's promised for us in heaven. We've got it. We're on our way home. <laughs> We're on our way home. And even through the rough times, we can enjoy his presence because the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. So we can find that and the world will scratch their head and go, why is that person having joy in the midst of that trial? We're on our way home, guys. And we want to help others get home. Next one. So we're calibrating to the compass, the Holy Spirit that we've been given calibrating our lives to him calibrating our lives to him and so that's what's being asked of you by the Holy Spirit this morning is you want to calibrate your life today and finally it's to help bring others along to love God and love look at they're on their way home <laughs> and we are happy we are on our way home, and we have friends headed home, too. And we're doing the same thing. 